Everyone bow your head. Dear God, I just thank you for this day and this time that we um, get to fellowship, God, and um, we get to hear your living word, God. Um, and I pray that um, it will resonate in all of our hearts and that uh, we will be prepared to hear the word that you have before us, God. And I thank you for the sacrifice you made for every single one of us, God. Um, and I pray those uh, who haven't realized that will come to realize that tonight, God. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys, for that that um, that prayer. You know, it's I I I've um, I've been the youth pastor here for ten years plus. Was fourteen years at my last church before this church. Um, so we're twenty four, twenty five years in, and I'm more nervous tonight speaking than usually when I ever am. So, you might ask why. I'm going to share some things. I want to take um, a little bit of time tonight to open up a door. Uh, and it's a door into the Walsh, Walsh life. And if you'll allow me to do that. But as I do this, this is what I ask. I'm going to share. I'm going to be vulnerable with you about our household for the sake of the gospel. Uh, and I ask that you don't mistreat what I share, because sometimes kids can be mean or they see something. I don't think it will occur, or, or I, I wouldn't, because I am defensive of my kids and of my home. But I also want you to see um, how beautiful the gospel is. And if, if you walk away from one thing tonight, I want you to understand how much God pursues you, even when you're just lost in life. You feel like you're alone no one cares, and God is pursuing God, and I'm emotional because you'll find out, and it's nothing like bad, oh no, what's, what's happened, but it's not, it's, it's good, um, and so let me just start with this, and I'm, I'm going to talk about adoption, and, um, and I'll, I'll start with this as well, the Walshes aren't a great family, oh, I get this, sometimes you meet people that go, oh man, Y'all have adopted some kids. You guys are amazing. We're not amazing. We're idiots. <laughs> we, we are. We are. And by the grace of God, we, we, we make it through this life. Uh, and so even what I share, I don't want to boast in us at all because it's not. Everything that is, you see that's good as we look at the screen, as we talk about the Word of God, it is God at work in our wreck of a household so many times. Uh, and so don't. Don't think, oh, the Walshers are that great. We're, we're not, but God is. So October 10th of 2010, any of y'all in the, 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 the youth group then? I hope not because you'd have failed quite a bit. Sam, Sam was, and Sam's failed a lot. Um, uh, we adopted a little girl from China named Mei Li. Now, here's a picture when we got off the plane with Mei Li. Uh, that's her in my arms. That's Joseph in mom's arms. Uh, he's about the same size now. Uh, and, uh, yes, sir. How old was he back then? Uh, Joseph, back then, we're talking eight years ago, so he was six. Oh. Little Joe was six, and Caitlin was eight. Uh, and she looks the exact same. Um, and so that's us when we got off the plane. First shot of our family at that time. This was our, our first family photo. Here's another shot. Just You can see there's Maylee. This was like within a day or two. Maylee was running the household and in charge at this point. She'd only been there for like 24 hours on the ground, but she owned the world. 
uh, and was letting everybody know that. She, she would yell at us in words that we didn't know what she was saying. Um, they could have been ch- Chinese or they could have just been baby talk. She was two. Um, and so then there's, I think, is there one more shot of, of her? Of, uh, there, there we are. This is our family at that time. So we, we, were, we were good. In this stage of life right here, we were great. And we went down to Bradenton, Florida on a vacation to the beach. And I just wanted to go relax. I didn't want, I mean, I was going to spend some time with God, but I didn't want God to interfere with my life. I just was going on vacation. You know what I'm saying? Just being real with you a little bit. And so I go on this trip and my wife pick, picks up a book, and uh, it's by, written by Stephen Curtis Chapman's wife. Her name's Mary Beth Chapman. It was just sitting there at the, the condo. We didn't buy it. It was there. She, I think you read this book, and when she finished the book, she puts it down, and she says, don't you dare touch this book. Well, what are you going to do when someone says, don't touch that book? She goes to bed. I touch the book, right? <laughs> so I read this book, and it's about a adoption, and it's about loss as well. They had a, a little girl, a tragic thing occurred. This book is just a crazy, heart-wrenching book, but it was just about adoption. And when I put the book down, I went, uh-oh, uh-oh, this is, this is meaning something. God's doing something in me, and I knew God was doing something in her. So we talked that next day, and I said, what do we do with this? And we're like, what can we do? When one of us talked about it, we're stuck. You know, if we, if we don't go this way, we're like, we're, we're, we're just getting our feet on the ground now. Are we ready to adopt again? What are we thinking? And we were. So, so my kids were getting a little bit bigger at that time. And I was sitting in the surf in the Gulf with Joseph, Caitlin, and Noah. It's just that one thing we did decide for us to adopt again. Our kids were old enough to understand what it was going to cost and the extra work in the household and all this stuff and sharing rooms and all that stuff. So I had these kids, and we had planned for, I think, over a year to do a Disney cruise that fall. And I had been saving money and all this stuff. And so we're sitting there in the Gulf, just me and those three kids. And I was like, hey, guys, we're uh, mom and dad are t- talking about adop- adopting again. The kids are like, Yes, and they're crazy. I'm like, you, you adopt when you get old enough. Don't tell daddy what to do. And, um, and so I said, but the problem, uh, problem is this. And I thought this might be the kicker for him. I said, the problem is this. We are going to not be able to go on the Disney cruise this fall because we've got to raise money to adopt. We've got to save money, and some folks are probably going to even help out and come alongside of us, and we can't be going like, hi, we're going on a cruise, and people are giving us money for uh, help with adopt. You can't, can't do that. That would be... Uh, a sin. Uh, and so one of my kids, uh, not one of my boys, my sweet girl, uh, says, Dad, isn't a, girl, a little girl a lot more important than a cruise? And I went, Daddy wants to go on a cruise. <laughs> you, but, but it was true. I mean, and so I was, you know, and so at that, at that mo- moment, we knew we were supposed to go on this path again. So we, we, we begin to work that way. Now, I'm going to show, show you. Y'all have met Kylie. She's, she's six now, not a part of the youth group. This is probably one of the last times I'll ever share this story in a large group because she's getting older, and I don't want to ever hurt her feelings at all. Um, but Kylie, we, we've got a referral to her. That, that means you get uh, from China. We begin to apply, did all the, this work and process, and we 
sent it off, and then they, we got this thing back, and it said, here's a child that needs to be adop- adopted. We think she'll be a great match for you. And we'd marked her name. Now, this child, her name was, was Hong Chuan Chin, okay? And uh, I did pretty good with that. And, and she had a cleft lip and palate. Now, if you don't know what that is, that, that means that there's a, really a hole going from the roof of your mouth up into your nose, and a lot of times it can affect your, your there's a split in your lip. I'm going to show you a picture of of Kylie. I don't I don't I don't throw these up all the time for folks to see, but this was the very first picture that we got of her back in 2014. That that was her. Now she's got a grade three cleft, which is as bad as it gets. Uh, so I, I, I'm, I'm going to share this with you. She was found abandoned at two days old on the street. You can take that off the screen because I won't be able to talk. Um, thanks. And uh, <clears throat> she was deemed by society as a whole there. Even when went to adopt, they were like, why do you want to adopt her? Like, she's broken. Why would you want her? And we're like, God has called us. We, we, want, we love her. So before that, you know, December 2014, as some of you re, re, remember, this is five years ago, uh, we jump on a plane. It's, it's an 18-day trip. You're there for you, for 18 days, and then you, you come home, and she's yours. And uh, I re- remember uh, nervous and scared, like, okay. We were scared when we were going to adopt Maylee, going, how is this all going to work out? And, man, we just loved her from the moment we saw her. And so we're like, God is doing something here. And here's the very first time that we saw her as she walked up to us on video. I think. That's her in blue. The picture looks bigger. Hi. Papa. Hi. Papa, Mama. Hi. Oh. That's her. Yeah, that's our little girl. Um. She walked right into our arms, scared little thing, wouldn't leave our arms for, for 10 days. Uh, I don't know if she'd ever been held a whole lot, but she didn't let us put, put her down at all unless we were in the hotel room. That's the only time she would ever get on the ground. She didn't really start to smile till about day three or four. I started doing a jet, jet plane. I've got some shots. I don't have them on here, but I'd pick her up and this, this goofy grin. And you know what? She's had this big cleft, and, man, we just fell in love with this whatever it was. It was, you know, it was, it was a, a mess up on her face, but it was the most beautiful thing we'd ever seen. And, uh, and so I won't bore you with the, we were there for 15 more days and we fell in love with her like that. She was ours like that. Um, and this is a picture of adoption in the 21st century. This is what, this is our new first family photo with everybody plus a couple spare ones that are part of it. Um, uh, we're getting off the airport. I'm not on drugs. That had just been like a 29-hour flight. Uh, Joe's looking cool with his little his neon cross thing. He's got so you're looking fly, Joe. Kate's getting her hair pulled by Maylee. That's, that happens all the time. Uh, so that's sort of what it looks like. Do I have any more shots? Uh, there you go. That was when we got home with with Kai, the little Kate, and then uh, I want you to see that 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 was like uh, maybe. 
two months after we had her lip repaired here in the States. It was amazing. And when, they, when she came out, we didn't know how it was going to work. And they somehow f- made a lip out of nothing. It was crazy. Uh, and if you see around here, you, most people have no idea that she's got, had a cleft lip and palate, especially to the degree that she had. Um, you'd be amazed, uh, I, even in this room, how many people are impacted by adoption in this room. You'd, you'd be amazed. I did a trip to Atlanta Fest maybe four years ago, and I had a group of 15 uh, students that came on that trip. And of the 15 students, 12 were either adopted or had a brother or sister who was adopted. 12, is that insane or what? There, there's a lot more than you know of, and that's sort of how we think of ado- adoption. I just think that's just really cool. I just loved it when I f- figured that out on the trip. Um, why do people adopt? Can I ask you, so what, like, why do people adopt? I- anybody know? Okay, you just got two, two of them, right? Compassionate, right? You see some, someone in need, you take them in. One more was, I can't have, have kids of my own, and, and so I'm, I want kids, and my heart longs for them, so I'm going to bring them in. They will be my kids. And it is amazing. Uh, my wife was terrified that when Noah was born, that she would love our dog more than she loved Noah because we had had the dog for like five years. Uh, and it only took three years for that to finally wear off. No, just that, that bond that God does in that home is just a be- beautiful thing. Um, so compassion, right? You, you, you see a need and you want to help. Uh, you can't have kids. What's, what's a third, third reason to, to, to adopt? Help, help a child in need. Great, good, good. Okay, okay. Okay, so you see there's need, and you just want to you you just want to help, right? You see this need, and it's a great way for you to help. You know, uh, go ahead. I got something back. Yeah. 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 Oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, totally. It's amazing the way he works that out. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. And 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 um. One of you know the third way I think of adoption or reason is obedience to God in worship. Uh, it's when God calls you to do something and you do it in obedience to God. It's it's worship to him. That's what obedience is. So I want to talk about adoption, and what does this have to do with the text? We're going to be in three texts tonight that really uh, cover adoption. We're, we're in the book of John. We're going to be in Ephesians 1, Galatians 4, and Romans 8. You don't have to write all those down or turn to them all right now, but that's just where we're going to sort of pull from our text. And then in two weeks, I think Nick is going to be in Galatians 4, uh, like 1 through 8 in big church. Uh, and so he's going to even cover this topic quite a bit as well. So first thing is this, turn to, uh, if you, on the screen, John 1, uh, 12 through 13. I just want you to see, um, and I've got three points here, but this is, this is what it is. But 
To all, all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. To all who, he, who did receive him, he, who believed in his name, he gave the right. So first point is this. Our adoption begins with God. Okay, it begins with God. We don't start the path to be adopted. God is the one that does all that legwork before. There's a book by David Platt called Follow Me. And in it, he, he's adopted, uh, I think uh, uh, the first adoption was son uh, Caleb from the Ukraine. And he says this story, and this is sort of a quote from his book on pages 28 and 29. But I'm going to switch out Caleb's name for Ky- Kylie's name because that's the one that fits for me. Uh, and, and, and sort of hear this. The parallels between Ky- Kylie's story and the gospel story are many, but I want to point out one that is particularly significant. Adoption like this begins with a parent's initiative, not the child's idea. Before Kylie was even born in China, conversations instigated by my stinking kids began the plan for us to adopt again. While Kylie was alone at night in her orphanage in China, we were working to adopt her, and she had no idea. And one day when Kylie was placed in her arms, she had no idea all that had been done. It seemed obvious that this two-year-old girl did not invite us to come to Guangzhou, China, to bring her into our family. She didn't even know to ask for such a thing. No, this orphan became our cherished daughter because of a love that was entirely beyond her imagination and completely outside her control. She did not pursue us, for she was utterly unable to do so. We pursued her. Just like adoption works nowadays, same thing. There's so much work. God is pursuing you. The most beautiful thing about the gospel is that God pursues you and you have no idea. You could be fighting and running against him with everything that you have. And he has been working and fighting and loving and seeking and putting things in your way to draw you to him. Adoption begins with him. In Ephesians 1, 4 and 5, it says, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and and blameless before him in love, he predestined us for adoption. We're lying alone in the depths of our sin, and God's working to adopt us. Don't miss that. We're going to look at, so the first point is it begins with God. Adoption begins with God. There's a physical adoption that we understand on earth and what that word means, but we're talking about adoption. God adopts us into his family, and I want you to understand exactly what that means because it's huge. Um, Galatians 4, 3 through 5 is where we're going to look at uh, on on this next point, Uh, and Paul is writing about how a slave and a son, he starts on verses 1 and 2, how a slave and son, as young kids, are very much the same. Their lives are very much the same. They get up, they eat their food, they go to bed, they learn some things. Uh, and so their lives look exactly the same until they get to a certain point. And at a certain point, the slave and the son, their lives differ completely. The son goes to, to, to learning and, and, and to, to leading. The slave is just going to take the, take the life of a slave. So, but up until this point, they look exactly the same up until whatever age, five, six, seven, eight, nine, whatever age it is, it separates. And then verse 3, it 
He writes this on Galatians 4. It says, in the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. Now, is everyone a child of God? Question. Because you hear that a lot. And the answer is no. Look here, and just so, so you know, with that, 1 John 3.10, do, do I have that one? Look, look at, at this verse. But this is, this, by this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. There's a, everybody's not a child. We're created by God. Everybody's created by God. But not everybody's a child of God. Those who, if you know someone's a child of God, they're following God in righteousness. And how can they do that? Through the, uh, through the gift of Jesus Christ, accepting by faith the sacrifice of Christ and following him obediently. That's, that's one who is a child of God. Then it says here in verse 4 of Galatians 4.4, 4, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, to redeem. Don't miss that point. To redeem means to rescue, to save. You are in bad shape. It's not looking good. There's no hope for you. You can't get out of this on your own, and redemption is coming. Rescue is coming. That's what God did when he sent Jesus. What we got? A lizard. I see the lizard. I'm not a blind man. I got these things on. You want me to throw the book at it? The Choosing to See book? We won't do, do that. Hey, just stay with me. Don't worry about the lizard. He'll be all right. If he jumps on me, I'll scream like a 17-year-old Jamaican schoolgirl. Uh, but um, y'all, y'all want to see that, I know. Andre, I'm afraid to ask what you're going to ask me. Why do you say 17-year-old Jamaican? When I get upset, when I get upset, my wife calls me that all the time. Miss Michelle, who you think is sweet all the time, is not as sweet as you think. Because my voice is very high and I dance around. There you go. We'll talk about it at the end. All right. So in God's timing, God's timing, not your timing, Jesus was born, right? Under the law. That means that he had to follow the rules. That temptation would come his way. He could choose whether he was going to like, give into it or not. So he's, he's under, bound by the law. When mocked, he chose meekness over majesty. When t- tempted, he chose restraint over indulgence. When crucified, he chose suffering over safety. Okay, this is these things that he chose to do when the fullness of time has come. Why did he do it? To redeem. Those who are under the law, that's us. We're bound by it because we've, we've broken the law. So Paul reminds us that we were, one, enslaved by sin, the ele- by the elementary principles of this world, but God sent his son uh, to redeem us, to save us. So point two, our adoption means salvation. Our adoption, great news. Great news, best news you could ever hear. You have no hope, and he saves you besides the fact of who you've become or what you are or what you will do, he loves you and pursues you. In the Bible, we see in Ephesians, Galatians, and Romans, Paul uses the term adoption quite a bit. Uh, And it always refers to redeemed believers in Jesus Christ. 
always. When you see the word in the, the Bible, it's someone who's redeemed by Jesus Christ. Um, but let me paint for you a picture, because I painted in the start a picture of adoption in today's age. Let me paint a picture for, for you of adoption in the first century century A.D., okay, when, when the New Testament was written. The Greeks and Romans saw worth in achievement and abilities. The human body was the ultimate perfection. <clears throat> Importance was based on how beautiful you were or how smart you were or how athletic you were. It's a good thing we don't do that now, right? Seriously, seriously. Um. The Greeks and Romans began to put so much worth into the perfection of human beings that they began to fail to see the importance of human life. Something we see in today's world as well. Uh, have you, anybody ever heard of Aristotle or Plato? Have you ever heard of that? You've heard me, this great, this great man, Aristotle. Let me share a, a, a saying of the great philosopher Aristotle that said, as to rearing the children born, let there be a law that no deformed child shall be reared. Okay, so as, as for kids, if there's something wrong with it when it's born, kill it. That's what he said. Uh, his uh, Plato said the offspring of the good are to be reared or raised, but the offspring of inferior par- parents, I fit in that category, or deformed offspring are to be secreted away. Hey, just, just kill them in quiet. Of offspring of inferior parents, or if they're deformed at all, just just get rid of them. They're not good enough to have life. There's a man named Serenus of Ephesus, lived from 93 A.D. to 129 A.D. Historically, very well known about. He wrote a book uh, that was for midwives that that had a set of cr- criteria to rate a child at, at birth. Uh, it's, we have an, a test called the Abgar test today that they still use that is very sim- similar, but the results aren't quite the same thing. Uh, this is what he said, it, that the child should have a strong cry. It should be complete in all its parts. No part should be sl- sluggish or weak. Joints should be able to bend and stretch. The infant's size and shape should be appropriate. And all parts of the body should be sensitive to the touch. Any condition con- contrary to these indicate that the infant is not worth rearing. If there's anything wrong with this kid, get rid of it. And that was the norm of the day. Uh, it wasn't, you know, the APGAR test is to assess a child nowadays so that we can best take care of this child so it'll survive and do well and not have any repercussions from what has gone wrong. That's what the APGAR test, this test was just the, Am I going to throw it out or am I going to to keep it? That's sort of what the test was. whole different world than what we live in today. After the baby was born, the newborn would be placed on the ground. And the patriarch of the family, the oldest male, would do one of two things. He'd either, one, pick up the child and welcome it into the, the family. And if he picked it up, that child was now a part of the family. But if he refused to pick up, the child, the infant was too flawed and was not worth rearing. If, if, if the child failed the test, who couldn't do anything, who's helpless on the ground, if it failed the test, many times would be drowned or they would suffocate the child or they would take it to the 
city trash dump and just dump it with the trash. Leave it for the weather or the animals to take care of. And this was a, this was a normative practice of the day. And, and that, that is harsh, right? Do, do you all feel this as, as harsh? Okay, because it is. Um, but some people would go up on these hills and they would search through it and they would find these kids and they would take these kids and they would save them from the elements and from the animals and they'd bring them into their home and they would raise them up and they would use them as slaves in their home. And they may even treat them kindly, but they would be slaves in the household. They might be deformed in some ways or not or weak, but they would sort of, that, that would, that, that's a picture of adoption in the first century A.D. <clears throat> um, that's a lot diff- different than ours, right? So much different. Now, have you ever seen a baby defend itself? No, no. A baby can't defend. They, they can defend themselves with as much poopy that comes out into that di- diaper. That can get me away really bad, really quick. Um, but it's, it's, it's a baby's the perfect picture of helplessness. It, it can't do anything on so It will starve to death unless you feed it. It's got to get the right amount of sleep. It's got to be taken care of. It's got to be rocked. It gets scared. Um, what a picture of how we are spiritually without Christ, right? We're helpless, defenseless, hopeless on our own. Um, so our adoption begins with God. Our adoption brings salvation Let's look at Romans 8. Paul, once again, writes about adoption in verse 14. He says this, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. It also talks in Galatians 4. He says that you are not only uh, adopted. He says, not, you're not, it's, it's clear there. He says, you're not adopted as slaves. You're adopted as sons. And as sons, full rights as heirs. So, so Paul, as he talks about this word, is wanting them to understand, hey, you understand adoption a little bit, but he doesn't just adopt you to bring you in, to be a slave for him, to use you. He adopts you as his child as his son and he gives you full rights as his only son who died on the cross he gives you full heir rights to everything that he has that is what god does with adoption so our adoption not only brings salvation but also brings transfer transformation do we understand what god has done because he says here in romans 8 uh verse Verse 15, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. You're, you're, you're not a slave. You're no longer a slave. But you've received the spirit of adoption as sons. You're not a slave. You're a son. You're different. You're transformed. You go, but Pastor Dan, I've, I think I've given my life to Christ. And I went to camp. I really think I did it, but I'm still falling into those same things. Yeah, but are you fighting to get out of them? Because you're going to make it out of some of those things guarantee it but you'll find new things you got to work on man you just got to keep fighting because you're not a slave you're a son and can we not live like we're enslaved to this world can we live like 
sons and daughters of the king. That's who he calls us to be. Uh, I wrote just in my notes right here. It says a slave is tolerated, but a son or daughter is cherished and invested in. That's what God does with us. Found worth in not what you do, but in who you are. And who you are is a child of the king. What a better, what a better place to be. Uh, and he sends the spirit of the son into our hearts because we are to be like the father. He's transforming us. Don't miss that. Can you see the people that read this when it was initially written to them and they began to understand, I'm not being adopted, just adopted and saved and rescued from death. God's not doing it just to save me, but he loves me. He cares about me. What a foreign idea this adoption was for him. Uh, Because it was going to that hill, picking up the strongest of the discarded and bringing them home to be a slave in your household. And now it's coming to my household and be my son and daughter. And I love you. Um, you know, my wife and uh, I, as I've shared, we've got five kids. Man. And if you threaten any of them, I will come after you. Uh, and my wife is probably a little worse than I am. That's what's crazy. It's the sweet ones you got to look out for. Uh, but I'll come out with you with everything I got to protect them. But it's nothing. Nothing in comparison to the fierceness that God comes after you. And he's pursuing some of you so much more than you can imagine. Uh, and, and what I want you to find, just get one, out, one thing from tonight is to go understand God is pursuing me. And I'm worth to be pursued. Not because you're that great, but God thinks you're that great. Let's pray, and we're going to be dismissed. Dear God, I thank you so much for a chance to talk about adoption. Uh, God, I'm just moved by uh, how how you love us in, in spite of us, how you pursue us, how you've been working on us for, for, for many. Even when we're fighting against you, you're fighting for us. God, may we understand that we can't get through this life. We can't be in right relationship with you unless we go through the Son. Um, that we that the, the Son has lived a perfect life without sin to die on a cross as a sacrifice, not for his sin, but for our sin. God, may we just learn to accept that. And Lord, I just want um, students to know you and to know uh, what your plan is for them. And God, for us all, students and adults, to live like sons and daughters of the King. Uh, and Lord, may we talk about you wherever we go this week. May we talk about you in our own households. May we talk with you, about you with our neighbors, with our friends, and even with our enemies. May we talk about you. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Make sure you sign up on the far retreat, the universal, and all that stuff.